Welcome to UDL Forward, the podcast where we break down barriers and transform classrooms with the power of universal design for learning. I'm Missy Emler. And I'm Mia Schmiel. If you are an educator, administrator, or anyone passionate about creating an inclusive, engaging, and accessible learning environment, this is the podcast for you. As your hosts and guides on the side, we're here to dive into the world of universal design for learning with a focus on clarifying language, identifying implementation barriers, and inspiring change. We're excited to help you revolutionize your classrooms and systems. Each episode of UDL Forward is packed with actionable insights, real-life examples, and inspiring stories from teachers and students who have experienced the transformative power of UDL. You'll learn practical tips, best practices, and innovative strategies to ensure every student has the opportunity to succeed. We bring our unique perspectives and wealth of knowledge, sharing our passion for creating a world where education is truly designed for all. By tuning into UDL Forward, you'll be empowered to make meaningful change in your school or district, becoming a catalyst for a brighter future. Are you ready to move UDL forward? Subscribe now and join us on this exciting journey as we create learning environments that inspire, engage, and empower all students. The future of education starts here with UDL Forward. All right, Mia, we are back for the UDL Forward podcast. We're so happy to be here. Today, we're going to talk about assessment. Everybody's favorite topic, right, Mia? I love talking about assessment. One of my favorites, assessment. (laughs) Yes. And before we talk about assessment in our context, I just have to give a shout out to Mia because Mia and she'll fill us in on who else was on the team, but the Department of Public Instruction in Wisconsin uh, has a great series of assessment modules on the DPI website. Mia, you were part of that team and I think the modules are very, very well done. So do you want to just talk about them a little bit to get us started today? Absolutely. So the assessment literacy modules were built by a fantastic team. Um, it was Stephanie Feldner from CISA 8, Michelle Ring Hansen from CISA 7, and then myself from CISA 9. We were able to work together over an entire year, I think a year and a half actually, to really clarify what we believe as a state to be the best assessment practices and clarify the language around assessment for the state and develop several modules that districts could use within PLCs or within their school buildings to really help from a systems level begin the change that we we see needed to think about assessment in a different way. So we design modules around establishing learning targets, right? So for UDL language, it's all about the goals, right? And helping people clarify the goal. We also talked about assessment and how students themselves reflect on their learning. And it was really interesting during the piloting of the modules for folks in our our pilot schools to have some pause about students reflecting on their learning experience and it being much more than the, the five paragraph essay at the end of a unit. So that very specific module around students kind of owning their learning was one of, I think, 
the, the key pieces that Michelle has since taken into her work in developing the UDL implementation trials. Because as, as we begin to see and understand what's happening in the classroom and the system that Michelle I and mean, Joe Miller from CISA 8 have developed, it's really about students having the capacity and the time to reflect on their own growth. And we talk about process over, over product, right? And it's a skill that students don't just magically innately happen or, you know, have within them. And, and as educators, we fly through that reflection process, that assessment, right, of the learning process that we can in turn think about and use when we're designing for the next steps. So the assessment literacy modules, I believe, are in the process of being updated or there's a new iteration coming out. But I really do see a clear connection between the language we clarified in that work and then what we're able to build upon from the UDL um, forward community then too. Yeah, and I worked with a district personally in going through those modules, we did one module each month. So like the first Wednesday, we went through the module, the second Wednesday and third Wednesday during their professional learning community time, we had discussions and did more implementation coaching. But I'm really glad to hear you say that it went back to that it's the work started with your beliefs about education and trying to clarify those beliefs. Because what happened in my experience with using those modules with the districts is that there was conflict that surfaced as a result of going through the modules because people have different ideas about assessment. And it comes down to you know, what is a good summative assessment? How often do you use formative assessments? Should you put formative assessments in the grade book? How do we determine grades? You know, what percentage is participation or homework versus what percentage is, you know, tests and quizzes? And there's lots of old practices that are wrapped up in our grading, even though there's tons of research and new work around assessment that makes some of those practices outdated and unfair to the learners. And so I think if I could just give like I cannot recommend highly enough the assessment literacy modules on the DPI website in a facilitated way, in a space where you can have conversations because I think it gets to meaningful conversations around assessment for sure. And I think what what we came to find out as a design team was that this may be an entry point, right? That assessment may stir those conversations and have people think about like, what do I truly believe? Does that actually you know, play out in my, my classroom environment? And if it's not, what, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think about just personally, my own journey from, you know, the assessment literacy modules to then diving in very deeply into the UDL forward community and, and the work that we've been a part of and some of the, the resources I've been very fortunate to collaborate with others to design. I think about that process for me as an educator and what I now know then, you know, what I, what I thought and I believed in my practice was, you know, five, six years ago, that has been such a, an incredible journey for me. And I think the greatest part of that has been what are we actually assessing, 
I think about, you know, yes, we go back to our standards. We go back to, you know, what is, what is the goal, right, of a, a unit or even a day. But when everything is said and done, it's really about students being expert learners. Yes. So how do students have the power and how are they empowered to reflect and assess who they are? Yeah. And that I think was part of what was missing in the assessment literacy modules, but I don't know that it would have worked there, right? You kind of have to go on this journey to begin to think about like, what what are we really assessing? It's definitely a journey because we do things that we've always done because we've never been challenged to do them differently. And when it comes to assessment, I think we're always, in my experience, I've always considered it, we are, you know, trying to, we're, it's the assessment of learning. And I think what the assessment literacy modules begin to help us with, and UDL Forward community, it will take us even further into this journey, is looking at assessment as learning. So, it's it's a it's right. that prepositional word that preposition really matters it's the assessment of learning or assessment as learning and when you think of assessment as learning it becomes part of the overarching experience and that means that you don't have to take a break from learning to be assessed the assessment is part of that whole experience and it sort of makes the idea of having a test day a little out of alignment with what we believe to be true about learning. Right, right. I have the opportunity to work with several teachers in one of our rural districts and was there yesterday post forward testing, right? So students have been part of, you know, testing for the last week or so. And the lesson that one of the math teachers that we worked together to design and that she taught that day was about if you could design an assessment, if you could share with us what you know about math and who you are as a a mathematical thinker, what would that look like? And students talking about having a series of problems and getting feedback on them and how they could ask questions about where did I go wrong? Like, where do I need to figure out? being able to share different ways of of answering or solving a problem, being able to articulate their process. And it was so incredible to hear kids be able to talk about, here's how I share my knowledge best. Mm -hmm. And just that shift of students having to internalize, here's how I think, here's how I share what I know, and being able to, to share that as as a group was so powerful. And it was, it was really, really cool to be able to debrief with that math teacher about what she now knows about her students that she didn't know before. It it was really an assessment of their learning. And it helps them make decisions about how they'll approach things going forward. Because so often we potentially do some reflection, but when the reflection is specifically tied to what was your approach to learning this? Did you actually meet your personally meaningful goal that we hopefully set before we started the lesson? And then really thinking about, would you make the same choices along the learning journey next time? Would you choose something different based on what your outcome was? Was that an effective 
learning choice for you? Or should you have chosen something different? And what makes you think that? All of those sort of reflective questions are giving the student an opportunity to assess if they met their personally meaningful goal and to decide for themselves what the barriers were. And a lot of times the students potentially make choices that probably are more of a barrier to their learning than not because there's so many things that influence those choices, what their friends are doing, who else is in the group or where it's located in the room or, you know, do they get to go to the library to do some research or do they have to stay back? You know, like all of those pieces go into the decisions they make in their learning journey, but we don't often give them an opportunity to assess the decisions they make about learning. We're just assessing the outcome or the objective of a specific learning target, but not those behavioral learning skills or knowledge skills or dispositions in regards to learning and in regards to the expert learner look for that we talked about in a couple episodes back. And I'm so glad that you, you talk about like the shift that happens, right? I've been part of the journey for several folks on this team and watching their approach to reflection and how they really are looking at students thinking about who they are as learners has been so interesting to watch. And then for us to debrief together about some of those prompting questions that they used with students and how they see that time of student reflection and those conversations as the most powerful part of the work that they do. Mm -hmm. Because it not only helps them understand, okay, how do I need to design different? It helps them see, was the goal clear, right? And the goal being about the learning and not about turning in worksheet XYZ, Mm -hmm. right? So just working with this one team in particular and seeing their journey unfold in a way that really helps them value students assessing their own learning has been really, really cool to to see. And I'm glad that they're in a position to share that with other teachers within their building and also within the region. And I think hopefully in the, the UDL Forward community too. Right. This conversation takes me back to my time as a special education teacher. And I had a student, he was twice exceptional. He had a very high IQ. He was in the gifted and talented range and he had dysgraphia. So writing was very complicated. And he also had foundational reading concerns, right? So in Wisconsin, we don't label kids as dyslexic, but it would, he would have definitely some of those dyslexic tendencies, but he was a junior when he became my student. And he is the one student who taught me the most about learning because I will never forget the day that I walked into, I had like these little, this back closet space that was a separate room and it had like their own little cubicles in there. And he would often work there. And so I went back to check on him and he was listening to the book To Kill a Mockingbird while simultaneously working on pre-algebra practice problems. (laughs) And I was like very opinionated. And I said, "Um, I don't think you can do both of those things at the same time. And he 
very quickly proved me wrong in the next couple of hours in his day because he had a quiz on the To Kill a Mockingbird chapters and he turned in a pre-calculus assessment that clearly he knew how way more than I did in regards to that content. But he also struggled to get along with his pre-calculus teacher for probably the same reason that he was mad at me when I told him he couldn't do both at the same time because his pre-calculus teacher does, didn't necessarily understand how he learned. And so the conflict with the pre-calc teacher sort of escalated over time because my students' behavior appeared to be not paying attention and not very compliant. And so we, we convened yeah. a meeting and it was the first opportunity that my student had to communicate about how he best learns to his pre-calculus teacher in a non-confrontational way. So like we were having a meeting and he wasn't actually in trouble when we had the meeting. He was just there to have an opportunity to communicate that his brain really does, like the audio going into his brain sort of helps him focus on the actual math that was there and whatnot. So it was very informative for the teacher. And after that meeting, their relationship changed entirely because that teacher had an understanding of my students' learning needs, because nobody could understand how he was so gifted and still had so many challenges. And it all comes down to how he communicates and articulates what he was able to learn. Yeah. And I'll never forget that teacher saying to me later, Missy, that meeting with that student informed my practice as a teacher more than anything I have ever learned in a class ever before. Mm -hmm. And hearing from that, he said, you tried to tell me those things (laughs) for a long time. He said, but it took hearing it from the student to really have an impact. And so I think that's what you're experiencing with that group of teachers is they're hearing from the learners how they're learning best and about the decisions they're making and why they're making those decisions. And that is triggering the teachers to design differently for the next time or to understand the impact of their design choices on the actual act of learning. Mm -hmm. And it's less about the grade going in the grade book because maybe the rubric still gave, you know, the rubric in the work still aligned to a C. But when you hear the learner's perspective on the learning process and the decisions they made, you now understand that the C matters less than what they actually communicated they learned. And so I think that there's so much value in that. And I appreciate the way that the UDL implementation trials were organized and and developed so that there is a constant like focus and refocus back on students reflecting. So wait, Mia, hold on. Before you go too far into that, I don't think that our listeners actually know about the UDL trials. So before you make that connection, let's start with, let's talk about the UDL trials and the goal behind that project that our state team is doing and then what you've seen. So back us up a second for that. Sure. So the UDL implementation trials are really focused on helping teachers think about engagement in a different way. So we look at taking teachers through a design process where they look at a a particular lesson. We focus in on a goal as a coach or as a mentor. We then help them think about engagement with things like students 
participating in discussions, students talking with partners. But at the end of every trial, so every time we do a design, we implement it, we look at an academic rubric that's designed by the team. At the end of every trial, it's the student reflection on their experience during that designed or co-designed lesson that is most impactful, that we help students come back and reflect on the goal in trial one. In trial two, we focus on students reflecting on their approach to their learning. In trial three, we help students reflect on an option for you know, the, the learning process within the class or, or over the course of a unit. But the trials themselves are really powerful because as a mentor, you have the prompting questions to help teachers get to the heart of a goal. You have the prompting questions for teachers to really stop and think about this assessment I designed. Was it unintentionally designed with barriers? Like, are there things that are standing in the way of students actually sharing what they know? And what I found with the trials, they focus so deeply on articulating the goal, on helping students understand the goal, on designing options for the goal, and those debrief questions that teachers begin to take on that design process that we continue to talk about. And I think what what has been helpful with the teams I've worked with is they all go through this common journey together. They all go through the design process and the trials. They all go through the implementation of what they've designed. But when they come together and they share the reflections from the students in a small group of like-minded educators going through this same journey, they have those kinds of like aha moments about assessment that I think for me personally took years to, to get to. Right. And they, during the, the course of the trials, the educators who are part of this work, they get to really hone in and get feedback on those specific moves they make to help students become reflective. And I don't know that any of the work that, that I've been a part of has, has really been as successful as helping students really know what they're reflecting on. And then they are provided the space to do that while at the same time, educators really like literally seeing the value of that reflective, reflective time. Yes. So if you haven't seen the UDL implementation trials, it's such a powerful toolkit. And the toolkit will be more publicly available in the 23-24 school year. We're in a pilot phase right now, but it is very far along in the process and will be more readily available. But I think that you just nailed the whole, the whole point of it. The time is a good investment. So, so often we're in a hurry to get through our curriculum, but if we can't really identify and visibly see that learning, then the rushing actually serves as a barrier to learning also. So really, really aligning your time to that active reflection process will actually be a multiplier for the learning experience. So I am a huge fan of taking the appropriate time. Before we close out, I just want to talk about one more thing. You know me, I can't just not put in 
one element of controversy or, (laughs) you know, two sides of the coin conversation. But the thing that I want to talk a little bit about is so many districts that I have worked with in my time working at a regional service agency have spent a considerable amount of time dreaming about or considering or maybe beginning to implement standards-based grading that it bear it needs to be mentioned in this particular episode. So I've worked with a lot of districts in that journey and the barrier to that work is getting clear on your beliefs about assessment as a district, as a school team, as a grade level team, whoever's working on the implementation of standards-based grading. If you don't take the time to get really clear on your beliefs about learning and your beliefs about assessment, the work is sabotaged from the beginning. And then it is, there is challenges uh, when you move to a standard-based grading system to communicating with parents. So the purpose of grades are to communicate learning with parents. And I'm not an advocate for going to standards-based grading anymore. I used to be like, we have to go to standards-based grading. And I'm not an advocate for, you know, traditional grading. I'm an advocate for principled assessment. And the principled assessment comes from getting really clear about your beliefs about assessment. And the reason people want to go to standards-based grading is because they believe that it communicates that the assessments are clearly aligned to the standards or the goals. But in practice, I don't believe we get there. I believe we could get there if we all practice the trials that the project that Mia was just talking about. That is a really great way to get closer to, you know, a standards-based grading program with some level of fidelity and honoring the learner and that kind of thing. But I struggle with spending a ton of time on the mechanisms of standards-based grading and making knowing what the grade book, the digital grade book looks like and that kind of thing when we don't <laughs> spend enough time getting to our beliefs about assessment. What no. do you think about that, Mia? Am I nuts? <laughs> No. And so I think that's the part that that has been so beautiful in the last couple of years of, of this work, because the entry point, and I'm going to use the word should, should not be, well, we just need to do standards-based grading, right? The entry point can be anything from a group of teachers being part of the UDL trials and realizing the value of students getting feedback and making changes in their approach because of the feedback and then being able to articulate that, right? That might be the entry point. The entry point might be that as educators begin to really think about, well, what is the goal of this unit or X, Y, Z? If it's not based off of like a standard, you have work to do, right? And it's, it's, I think part of what what I've seen over the last couple of years is folks want to jump to standards-based grading because that is the educational jargon that's hit every blog post. It's in everybody's inbox. And wow, the district down the street, they, they're the ones who have made the shift. The reality is, whatever you call it, unless we are really providing students the ability to give us feedback on our design of our assessments, I don't care what you call it, 
right? We, we spend so much time unpacking standards and developing common assessments. But at the end of the day, if that work is not truly providing the best option for our students to share with us what they know, that work is for naught. And that I think is the conversation that we, we don't have the freedom to have yet in schools unless this kind of work begins to like take hold within, within our schools. And the way that we can sort of increase that adoption is by having students document the learning and the conversations, these anecdotal reflection pieces, and finding a way to use the student's reflection in communication with parents and community members. Because I can guarantee that parents want to hear those reflective, that reflective thinking from their student or their child more than they want to see an A on the report card. And that might not be true, but like in my case, more than they want to see the C on the report card, <laughs> because that's what I typically see. Uh, before we see that, I want to know that they know how they're learning and what works for them as a learner. Because when the grade goes away, I still want them to be a learner for their lifetime. Yeah. And I I actually think when the grade is the focus and the purpose, even in our communication with parents, we lose sight of the actual process of assessment. We use lose sight that assessment can be learning. And it's just a matter of whose assessment is most important, the learner's assessment of their own learning or the teacher's assessment or the the book, the end of chapter unit test or whatever the assessment, the summative assessment is. So I just think that we can talk about assessment and asking students to reflect on, you know, what they've learned without speaking to the elephant in the room. And that elephant in the room is standards-based grading or grading or the grade book, the digital, you know, like, because there's a very numerical way of communicating learning and it's assigned to, it's, it has a numeric value, which then becomes an uh, alphabetic value. <laughs> and it doesn't necessarily communicate learning. It communicates achievement at a certain level. So I think that's important. So I go back to, you know, the, the early days of the shutdown, right? Mm-hmm. And how everyone was scrambling with how do we get the work to students? How do we get the work back from students? And I think there was that short period of time when we were having the conversation about the less that we give kids, but the more it is like really connected to what do we need them to know and be able to do, the better. And there was this this time when we were really trimming back all of the things that we thought kids needed to do all of the, what we thought were formative assessments or the the worksheets that were happening. And we found that the less we, we gave kids and the more that we were intentional about the kind of work they were doing, we actually saw some of like the, the kind of growth and the change in our own design practice that I don't think would have happened if we didn't go through that time. Since then, I think we've kind of fallen back on the structure that we were comfortable with because that's what happens when we're stressed. But I feel, I feel like there's this opportunity for us to take what we learned from the era that we shall not mention, right? And think about how did we really 
hone in on what was most critical for students to practice? How do we give them the kind of feedback that they need? And then how do we help them see what you know their next steps are? We, in a network, a different network that I'm a part of, we actually had a pretty deep conversation about how MIT does not grade, I think it's just the first semester of the freshman year, that it's a pass-fail and that it's all about feedback. And that came out of students needing time to figure out how do they learn best in this new environment, getting feedback from students about you know, their, their process and allowing for that time where students are learning about how they learn. Yes. And that's so interesting because the other thing that potentially could be happening in that first semester is they are untraining their brains to be so focused on the grade. And they're learning to give themselves permission to learn without the letter grade being the carrot or the stick, right? So that's very interesting. If we can find that article, we should link that up in the show notes too. Oh, definitely. I'll I'll grab it for us. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have been talking about assessment for about 30 minutes, and I really appreciate all of these conversations that we've had, Mia. Assessment, specifically in relationship to universal design for learning, obviously you have your assessment of learning, but in UDL, we're looking at assessment as learning, and we're really wanting to hone in on those learners assessing their expert learner characteristics and really working on thinking about and evaluating their own process for learning. And that's where the real wins are. So thanks, Mia. Do you have any closing thoughts or ideas? I just want to give another shout out to those early adopting teams of the implementation trials that were part of the cohort. When the implementation trials come out, It is such a fantastic way of thinking about assessment in a different way and coaching folks towards thinking about assessment practices. So definitely be on the lookout for when, you know, the implementation trial toolkit is released. It is a fantastic way to bring this work directly into the classrooms. Awesome. Well, thanks again, everybody. Have a great day. Don't get in trouble. That's a wrap for this episode of UDL Forward. We hope you found our discussion insightful and inspiring. Making education accessible and engaging for all students is really important work. Before we go, we want to remind you to please subscribe to UDL Forward on your favorite podcast platform and tell a friend to listen to. And don't forget to join our always on, always available online community at udlforward.community. In the community, you can connect with like-minded educators and share your thoughts, experiences, and questions related to UDL. We'd love to see you there and continue this important conversation. Until next time, keep pushing those boundaries of education and moving UDL forward.